0: Again, and welcome to the Hilco Global Smarter Perspective podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Katz. Today, we're speaking with John Sharp, Executive Vice President at Hilco Commercial Industrial, about the impressive growth of the U.S. cannabis market over the course of the pandemic, as well as about some of the industry's current and future prospects and challenges. Just as a little quick background, Hilco Commercial Industrial is the preeminent global leader in providing advisory, valuation, and monetization solutions to the commercial and industrial sector. HCI can provide clients with asset acquisition, disposition, and advisory solutions, as well as the capital needed to drive maximum profits from their assets. With that said, welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you on with us today. And to get us started, I'm hoping that you can give us the lay of the land in terms of where things now stand uh, in the cannabis market penetration across the U.S.,
1: Certainly. You know, obviously, it's an interesting dynamic with cannabis. I think the most important thing we've seen, especially in the landscape here in the U.S., is is the attitudes towards it. And basically, you know, it's a a lot more accepted. We've seen a tremendous growth in the cannabis market, uh, primarily because of these attitudes for recreational usage. But also there's a large advocacy for medical purposes especially in the last, uh, you know, over the year during a pandemic. Subsequently, laws that reflecting that are uh, making a little more uh, ease and friendly for people to enjoy, if that's their preference, or certainly for physicians who who may prescribe it for patients. So make no doubt doubt about it, it's a huge booming industry. I mean, 90% of the global market share is just in North America alone.
0: Yeah, that is sort of surprising to me. But I guess that part of that is the regulatory environment in Canada and the US and i think that's part of why we're seeing such such significant growth here in the US right now i know john that your team is dispersed globally and that you're based in the toronto area specifically cannabis was federally legalized in canada over 2 years ago so it seems logical for you to give us some perspective on what happened with the rollout there and how how that rollout gone since that time and then also, what, in your opinion, in your, your team's opinion, operators in the U.S., Canada should be learning from uh, how things have gone in Canada?
1: Well, see, that's a great question. And, and certainly, uh, it's, a very, it's a hot potato, certainly, here in Canada. I've talked to many people. Many people we're presently engaged with, actually, whether evaluating their facilities or what have you. But, you know, one of the fundamental problems I think they had back in 2018 when it was legalized here in Canada I mean, right off the bat, there's about a $7 billion investment, you know, for a rush to market. There's certainly a, a tremendous demand when it was legalized. So certainly the producers, licensed producers, were anticipating trying to meet that demand. Well, in doing so, manufacture and processing, cultivation, et cetera, was not the issue. They had way more supply than than the demand was there because fundamentally, again, Health Canada put a lot of uh, restrictions on dispensaries and, and getting people up and running. And I think some of the measures and the requirements to open uh, made it prohibitive to even meet the market demand. So it was tough to get out and get rolling. Furthermore, I know a lot of the producers had problems and impediments with packaging, had had certain packaging requirements, certain labeling requirements. So all that led to a lot of confusion on the rollout back in, in 2018. So therefore, as you're aware, cannabis use and production is not legal in the United States federally. However, it is in various states. Uh, I think it's 36 of them uh, at present, if I'm not mistaken. And as mentioned earlier, these attitudes and laws reflecting them change, I think the government needs to work cohesively with cultivators and processors and all the packagers and even retailers just to define and enforce the, the playing field and uh, to ensure and to mitigate any problems that we've seen here in Canada. And I think that can be done. I think they'll probably learn from the, from the Canadian. It was a much smaller market sample here in Canada than it would be in the U.S., But I think that would be a key uh, lesson to be learned as they as they roll things out Uh, as it it grows in the states, quite
0: frankly, just more and more states coming online. So, John, you mentioned before the podcast how quickly things are moving from a technology standpoint in the industry. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it means for those who've already invested and those who will be investing soon?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Um, You know, we're seeing a lot of uh, changes within the industry with technology, as you do in a lot of industries, right? It's like a, a better mousetrap, if you will. But it's also driven by preference, uh, not unlike a brewmaster or a vintner where they're, they have their own preferred means to extract in this case. As far as technology goes with extraction, you have um, CO2 or ethanol. We're even seeing now uh, the introduction of hydro extraction. So, Things are changing constantly and people are taking advantage of the new technology. But I think from an evaluation standpoint where we see here at HILCO, that even like two, three years ago when there was a the rush to, to to get to market, here in Canada certainly, there's a lot of manufacturers obviously buying new equipment. And at the time, such a demand that I think the OEMs, to meet that demand, were, we're charging what I think has been referred to in a jokingly manner as a green tax. And fundamentally, you would pay an exorbitant fee for, say, a ethanol extraction unit, and then plus your installation costs, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you look for the same unit or similar unit, it's a fraction of the cost. So it's done two things. There's still, it's still good quality equipment. I think for people getting into the marketplace now, they have a real opportunity to buy used equipment at a fraction of the cost. But if you prefer the new and even the newer technology, it's also come down in price. So it's very important for the consumer, in this case the manufacturer, to understand their options when it comes to there's a lot of people that do a lot of due diligence on, on cultivation and processing and packaging. And as we mentioned earlier, regulations that go with that. But certainly from uh, what we're seeing, I think as the U.S. opens up, uh, U.S. buyers are looking to Canadian surplus to pick up that equipment. I think an important footnote for the reader and listener of this podcast is it's still not legal in the United States federally, which means you cannot buy a used ethanol extraction or anything that's cannabis centric. You cannot buy it and ship it legally to the United States. So what we're seeing here with the Canadian surplus is it's staying within Canada, or it's going, say, to South America or overseas. So I think it's an important element, certainly with valuation, as you look at surplus equipment on the marketplace in the cannabis industry.
0: Yeah, that really limits the uh, the scope of what you're able to acquire if you're if you're trying to get into the business here, uh, and obviously from a pricing perspective, that's that's impacted as well. So it, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I think most people probably think about the fact that uh, it's not federally legalized, but they don't think about how that impacts the equipment costs. So, so as you're talking about this and the decreasing value of the industry equipment, I'm, I'm also wondering about the real estate investment necessary for these types of businesses, both dispensaries and cultivators, and the, the cost that they have to incur in terms of getting into uh, that real estate. Has that generally been a, a smart bet or not for them?
1: Well, it's a great question. And I'm speaking with my colleagues within the Hill real estate division. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if, from a retail perspective, if you're leasing a in, in in Manhattan versus in Des Moines, Iowa, obviously those costs are going to be a lot more just by virtue of, of the rent there. I think from a retail perspective for those people, I think from a the cultivation of the manufacturing perspective, also, location to the market, like any business, your manufacturing costs, your logistics, depending where you are. But one thing some people don't, uh, they, they do, there's a bit of oversight is in when it comes to security at all these places. And, and there could be a heavy price tag when you're putting on Heavy security, whether it's vaults per product or whether it cameras, et cetera, uh, fencing, because that's a that's a large cost that goes into these. That a lot of people, when they they don't even think about that, but it is a is a, a very tangible number. So uh, real estate definitely plays a factor in all this. When we evaluate the the machinery and equipment, certainly all that uh, comes into play.
0: All right, John. Well, to finish this out today, if I can just go ahead and sum it up briefly on your behalf, it seems like many market participants may likely be finding themselves in a position right now where they need to free up capital to keep pace with fast-moving production technology or expansion plans. And as a result, it's going to be critical for them to one, gain a thorough understanding of equipment liquidation values in the present environment, and two, know how sale, leaseback, or other deal structures can also help them unlock value from their own real estate in the shortest possible time frame. So with all of this in mind, I encourage those of you who are listening in today to reach out to John, who can serve as the point person for these integrated services tailored to the cannabis industry at HILCO, and for the retail environment overall. So John's email is jsharp at hilcoglobal.com. That's J as in John, S-H-A-R-P-E at hilcoglobal.com. John, thanks so much for all your insights today. Uh, it was really interesting for me to hear about it because uh, like everybody else, you're sort of seeing the growth of of what's been happening uh, in our in our states and it's it's fascinating to see how quickly uh, things are taking shape here and uh, so it's just great having you on the podcast with us today absolutely it sure is Steve. And i thank you it was a pleasure and listeners we hope that today's Hillco global smarter perspective podcast provided you with at least one key takeaway that you can put to good use in your business or share with a colleague or client to help make them that much more successful moving forward until next time for Hillco Global, I'm Steve Katz.